Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Well, here we are, you road warriors, you coming out today. Uh, amen. And all of you still in your pajamas online, God bless you. Uh, Marshall, thanks for plowing the parking lot. Appreciate that. Jason and team, thank you for shoveling and getting it all ready. Appreciate that. <clears throat> I, I like snow, as long as it comes in dumps and then it leaves. But we need snow. We need snow, just as Michael uh, read that scripture about snow and rain coming down from heaven. It has a purpose. I was teaching my, uh, I teach my grandkids three days a week homeschool and we were teaching on, one of them was learning on the water cycle. And most of you probably don't even understand the impl implication of it, but it's, it's amazing the water cycle that God provided on the earth. Do you know that there's the same amount of water on the earth now as there was in the very beginning when God created it? It doesn't leave. All matter is here. It just might be in a different form. I'm trying to give you a science lesson today. But it's amazing because God likens so much in the Bible to water. And it's refreshing. It's water has a purpose. Snow has a purpose. Idaho wouldn't be the same without snow in the mountains. We need snow. And so I've been praying for it. So here it came. So it's a result of my prayers, I guess. Yeah. Praise God. Well, uh, welcome. Um, just one thing before I jump into my message. Uh, we, we postponed this because we were expecting some kind of storm. So we postponed the prayer and worship weekend until the first weekend of February, February 2nd through the 4th, I believe it is. And so get ready for that. In, in preparation for that, uh, we are asking you to do some fast. And you have a card that is available at the connection booth when you leave. It describes the, the, the different fasts we have and, and the prayer times that we have. Actually, we started Friday for 21 days leading up to our prayer and worship weekend. 21 days is scripturally significant. That's the day, number of days that, uh, that Daniel prayed and fasted until there was a breakthrough. Let's believe for a breakthrough. So do some kind of a fast. Um, it could be food. It could be uh, fasting media. Probably, that's probably a good thing to do. Fast social media. Uh, there's other things, but let's do our part in preparing our hearts for this uh, prayer and worship weekend. It's going to be a great time. It always is. Father, we're just believing for a divine impartation today. We ask that you come that you renew us, you touch us, and this word would become life to us. You're the living God, 
and you only give living things. So we pray, Lord, that we would have the living word that would be uh, just life to our very bones. Strengthen us through it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> this weekend reminded me, it's actually before you, Bob and Shar, were even in the church. In 1983, when the church started, the first Christmas was on Sunday. It snowed. We went to church, and incidentally, we have not canceled church in 40 years for snow. So we, we're here today. God bless you for being here. But, you know, those of you who couldn't make it, and I don't want anybody on the road that doesn't, shouldn't be on the road. Whether they, you know, California drivers, please learn how to drive. <laughs> I've, been, I've been driving in snow all my life, and I, I, my hesitation is not my ability, but others' ability. So, but 40 years ago on December 25th, 1983, snow fell, Christmas on Sunday. My family and I showed up, all five of us and two other people. There were seven of us on that first Christmas of 1983. So here we are again, a few more of us have braved the snow and we're here to hear the word of the Lord. So I wanna, I wanna go back to last Sunday's message and do a second part of it. Last Sunday, we talked about what is faith. How many were here and heard the word or heard it on, on, online, okay? We talked about faith. What is faith? Well, faith says in Hebrews 11:1. 1, now faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. It is substance and it is evidence. Now that doesn't even sound right. Faith is substance? It's evidence? Well, the New Living Translation in that same scripture says this. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. So faith is substance and evidence. How does faith come? This is not a trick question. Hearing. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So what happens is faith comes by a quickened Word of God. The, he, the, the Greek word for that is rhema. It's rhema. The word, this Bible here is the logos word. It, it's the normal written Word of God. But what I always strive for is to hear the quickened rhema Word of God. For once you hear the quick and rhema word of God, you have a lifeline that you can, you can walk on because it is the substance of heaven itself being given to your heart that you can walk on. You have to have a quick and word. You have to have that rhema word that, that comes to you. We're here today because of a quick and word. I remember, I remember being at my kitchen table in 1973 I was at my kitchen table reading the Word of God, 1973, before I was married. I was, I was in Gooding, Idaho. I was teaching school, and I just got out of college, and I was, I was getting involved in my vocation that I thought I would be in for the rest of my life. And in 1973, I was reading the Word of God. I'd read this scripture many times before, but I, I, I read uh, Genesis chapter 12, I was living in my, I was not married yet. I was living with my, my parents and the scripture came in Genesis chapter 12. 
get out from the house of your father and go to a place that I will show you. That's pretty clear. Then he, he gave me three more scriptures in succession that told me what I was supposed to do, at least the first steps in getting out of the house. Now, Abraham is the father of all those who believe. We saw that last week. If you are a faith person, Abraham is your spiritual daddy. And what that means is he was a man of faith. He, he stepped out. The Bible says he stepped out in Hebrews chapter 11. It says he stepped out knowing not where he was going. But he heard a word from God. A quickened word of God will be spoken to you and all your part is, is to act upon it. Faith without works is dead. The problem is today, I don't think we hear well. I don't think we're hearing enough. I think we, we just kind of go through life and, and, and you know, exist, etc. Every walk upon, upon my lifetime has been based upon the quickened word. If I hadn't heard the quickened word in 1973, it's quite possible none of us would be in this room. A quickened word of God is given to people so it'll change their life and destinies of others. And so you've got to listen to the Holy Spirit because it'll affect you, it'll affect your family, it'll affect those around you. Once you hear the word of God, you step out and act and God does something amazing. And every way along the, our, our, my, my lifetime, I've always lived by the quickened word of God. If God speaks, then I act and let God do the rest. In 19, or excuse me, in 2000, we were in Washington, D.C. and the Lord spoke to us and said, buy that house. I said, are you sure, Lord? It was a quickened word, quickened word. It was confirmed by others. So I walked up to the house. I knocked on the door. I offered uh, to buy the house. He agreed to it. I walked out the door and thought, what have I done? I don't have any money for this house. But within six months, we put down the money necessary and bought that house. All the way along, we have, we have walked upon the quickened word of God. I believe, I was sitting down here just before this message. I believe God is saying to you, this is going to be a year of quickened words. And you are going to have to step out in faith in ways that you've never known before. Because God is going to speak to you. And in speaking to you as you act, there will be, uh, there will be things that happen that will, that will unlock things that you've, you've only dreamed of. But we got to start believing and stepping out and, and saying, Lord, this is, my, this is the hour you've spoken. I received the quickened word. Now let's run together. You know, you can't live an adventurous a delightful life without walking by faith. There's one scripture in the Bible, the only scripture in the Bible that's listed four times. The just shall live by faith. Four times. The just shall live by faith. We live by faith. Faith is this entity that we've got we've to grab a hold of. It is the key ingredients. Let's say it this way. It's the secret sauce of the church. Faith pleases God. Faith moves God to action. Faith is an attitude or confidence in the heart. Faith is knowing something that no one else knows but you and God. Faith is the currency of heaven, just like fear is the currency of hell. We've got to grab a hold of faith and walk in that. That is the currency of heaven. That will direct your life in such a powerful way, you will have a most adventurous life. And faith is inextricably, I'm kind of reviewing last week a little bit before we get into the practical application of faith. Faith is inextricably linked with the word of God. The source of faith is the word of God. 
the source of our life, the source of our vocation, the source of our family, the source of everything is the word of God. Just like Micah was saying, rain and snow come down and it accomplishes what it's sent to do. It will not return void. God's word is that way. It will not return void. It will accomplish what it's sent to do. But you have to hear it to receive it. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. And then it says, we have faith in our hearts. We believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth. Last week I mentioned without confession of the word that God quickens to you in your life, that word will only be stillborn. Faith has to be confessed and spoken to be alive. And so here we are today because we have, we have obeyed at least one quickened word of God. So we're here today. Faith is linked to the word of God. Faith is the master key that unlocks all of heaven's doors. It unlocks everything. It's, it's that which we live on. Faith is the substance, as I mentioned. It's the confident assurance. Basically, let me say it this way. Faith is the title deed to your life. What's a title deed? What is a title deed? Boy, you guys are a lot quieter than first service was. Come on. What's a title deed? It means you own something, right? You own car, house, whatever. When you get the title deed, you own that, that property or whatever it is. Title deed. When Faith is the title deed. You have, you have the title deed of all the promises of God right in your possession right now. You have to activate it. You have to move upon it. Faith, I mentioned last week, is a time thief. What does that mean? Well, basically, God... God is in, in a realm that he, he does not, he is not limited by space and time. God does not, he's not limited by time. He looks at the beginning and he looks at the end. He can see it all at one time. We, however, have this limitation of time. But God comes to us and he looks here at our beginning and he looks here where he wants us to go. And he puts in our heart that quickened word of what's down there, of our future, our destiny, and he brings it to us and he speaks it to us. If we receive it, it's a quickened word. And what we have done, we have gone out into the future, grabbed our future destiny and brought it back to ourselves. That's, that's what faith is. That's what faith, and you need to live by faith. You, you don't, you're, if, you, if you don't live by faith, you're gonna die by doubt. So we've got to live by faith. It comes into the future and it gives us our destiny. It connects with our future. It connects with our destiny. Faith actually is an additional uh, a sense to our five senses. We, we perceived. I said last week, we get it before we get it. In other words, we receive the word of God. We understand it and we get it before we actually, actually get it. Faith is an evidence of things not seen. It's something that we that we haven't seen yet, but we've seen it with our spirit. I have seen things in my life right now. I've seen things. I have seen things that have not yet come to pass. If I would tell you, it would blow you away. I have confessed them. I have stood on them. I'm praying for them. I'm believing that. It will come to pass. If it doesn't come to pass in my lifetime, it'll come to pass in somebody's lifetime. Because once it's spoken, God does something marvelous. Now, let me just, I want to, there's, there's a lot of you maybe here, young people, I want to try to grab a hold of you to, in the sense of learning what's going to come up ahead of you. I remember, and this is why I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this. I remember years ago, in 19, uh, from 1974 um, to about 1983, we lived in Portland, 
And we were there and, and we would drive back to Idaho twice a year, once in the summer and once during the holiday season, uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas. And we'd come back to Idaho to visit Connie's family and part of my family. And we'd come back here, and I remember this vividly. I remember we would come into to Idaho and we would, we would drive down I-84 and there was a line that I, I could tell you, I could tell you where it is, but I didn't know what it was until years later. It was the border of Boise. And when we crossed, when we crossed into Idaho, something started stirring me. When I crossed the border into Boise, something started stirring me. And, and we started going to uh, drive down uh, to Boise State University. We would always drive down there on University Drive or right beside Boise State and the stadium, et cetera. We'd, we'd drive by there. Connie went to Boise State and she was there during the, during the 70s when there was a Jesus People revival. You may not know this, I'm kind of, some of you have heard me say this, but there was a revival on the Boise State campus. The whole football team got saved. There was an amazing move of the spirit that, that God began to do at Boise State. Well, we remembered that back then. And as we would drive to University Street and we would stop at In-N-Out, not the new In-N-Out. This was the original In-N-Out down on the campus, which is no longer there. It was a little 50s, 60s, 70s drive-through. Some of you might remember it. We would go there, we'd get hamburgers and shakes and all five of us in our family, we would participate. And then Connie and I would pray over the campus, we'd pray over the, the, the uh, Boise State University. And we had, a, we had a vision, we had a quickened word that something was gonna happen there again. So when we moved back in 1983, we started praying. One of the first things we did, we gathered together a, a, a young adult group they started meeting on the campus and they met as we started in 19, I don't remember the, in the mid 1980s, we started meeting in a sub in the student union building in the lookout room. Just this last week, the CYA started meeting in the lookout room. We had a word from God that we were to minister to that campus. I'll never forget. As we, as we began to minister to the camp, we come back year after year, we pray the same thing, we go to the same, the same street, we pray over Boise State. We didn't know, we had a vision of something, we had, a, we had a, a quickened word about that. You see, you live on quickened words. You, sometimes you get them and you don't even know you have them. And we've gotta start availing ourselves of the quickened words that God gives to us. So we started praying and believing for the Boise State campus. Soon the whole ba women's basketball team got saved. The tennis team got saved. They're all coming to church, seeing the, the glory of God. I believe that there's gonna be a, a similar move of the spirit, if not greater, on the Boise State campus and other campuses in this valley. High schools and junior highs, come on, stir your faith with me. Let's believe God. You see, God wants to speak to you to change your destiny, to change your future. If you don't get a quickened word, you may not achieve your destiny. And none of us would be here except by God's quickening. So I wanna, I wanna practically go through this now. I wanna, I wanna talk about the, the, uh, the practicalities of, of applying God's word. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're gonna talk about this. I wanna talk about this, you're, a, you're in a brand new year. 2024. Let's believe that this is going to be the greatest year of our lives and God's promises are going to come, come to pass. Remember I said last week there are 7,000 promises and what I challenge you to do is take a journal and every day just take one promise, write it down and at the end of the year you'll have 365 promises that if you stand on, God's going to do great things with all those. Amen. 
So here's the principles for this year I think we need to do. Number one, if we're going to walk in faith, the just shall live by faith, we need to expect the best. Come on, you guys can get a little away. Uh, come on, you can respond here to me, okay? Expect the best. Can you say amen? amen. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith assures us of things we expect. The summary of faith is this. Faith is expecting the best. It is. You're not expecting the worst. You're expecting the best. My favorite scripture, now you've heard me say this before, Matthew 9.29, according to your faith, so be it. In other words, you determine how much God blesses you. According to your faith, so be it. So if you want more of God's blessing, you've got to have greater faith. And God marks us by faith. God talks about the person in the Bible with great faith, talks about little faith, talks about the measure of faith. We've all been given a measure of faith. God wants you to practice faith. He wants you to, to uh, nurture faith because faith is actually a muscle that needs to be uh, exercised. And so we need to have that. Expect the best. Faith isn't just positive thinking. It's not that positive thinking is good, but it's limited. It's not faith, really. When we, when we say expect the best, we're not talking about wishful thinking. I'm not talking about, like, I hope I don't have any problems this year. Well, you're going to have problems. But do you have faith to overcome those problems? Rather, it's this. Expecting the best is the confident assurance that God is in control of the future and that he plans what is best for my life because he loves me. Hallelujah. Psalm 32 eight says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and watch over you. Wow. In other words, God has a customized plan to watch over your life. Everyone in this room, God has a plan for you. And the pathway for your life is tailor-made. It's personalized. It's made just for you. But you say, well, why should I expect best things when not only I've had such bad things happen in my life. Why should I expect the best when so many heartaches have happened to me? Well, let's go to a story. Let's, let's go to the story of David and Goliath in the Bible to answer some of that. David and Goliath is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Even as a kid, I liked it. The problem when, it, when, when I was told this story when I was little is they, we would always, we would always uh, act out the, the story. And I always had to be Goliath because I was always tall. So the little guy got to be David and I had to be Goliath. Of course, I had to fall and, you know, I got, I got to a place where I could actually fall and catch myself on the ground with my hands and not hurt myself because I had to do it all the time. But I'm David now. And so we all need to be David. So the story of David and Goliath is interesting because David comes and he overcomes Goliath. He's a little guy from the backside of the desert, probably 17, 18 years old. And he, he overcomes this great Goliath. Now notice this. If we want to expect the best, here's the, here's the principle. Expecting the best always honors God. When you expect God to help you, it's the highest compliment that you can pay God. First Samuel 17, 46. This is David speaking. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down. It's, that's a nice version of the King James Version that really says, I'm going to take your head off and you uncircumcised Philistines. He goes after it. But this version says, and the whole world will know that there is a God. Expecting the best honors God. When you, when you overhear your kids saying, my dad can do anything. What does that do to your heart? What did that do for God when David said that? This day, my God will be glorified. I'm going to take your head off. Well, 
William Carey said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Your faith honors God. It honors him. Secondly, in this under expect the best, expecting the best actually increases your ability. It increases my strength and ability. David believed and had the attitude that he could do it. People who have a winning faith attitude end up being winners. There's an there's a interesting correlation here. You know who Muhammad Ali was, one of the greatest boxers of all time. He only lost two fights. And those two fights that he lost were when he said this, if I lose the fight, if I lose the fight, he doubted in his heart. Faith has the power to change your abilities. I don't care who you are, businessman, a school, a school person, a, a businessman, whatever it is, faith has the ability to change, has the power to change your ability. Now, think about this. David took five stones, not because he wasn't sure if, if one was enough to kill Goliath, but because Goliath had four brothers. Took five stones. When you act in faith, you receive the additional strength to face the difficulties of life. If you act in faith, God will give you greater ability than you have right now. You will actually be supernatural in your ability. And expecting the best also encourages others. First Samuel 17, 52, with the story of David and Goliath. It, after David killed Goliath, guess what happened? All of the children of Israel, who are a bunch of wimps, who wouldn't go after the, the, the Philistines, all of a sudden they got courage. And they started running after the Philistines. In 1 Samuel 17, 52, then the Israelites gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath. This story tells us that when just one person, one person stands in faith, it will encourage all others. An entire nation was energized and encouraged by the faith of one young man. Do you know what we need in America? We need just a few young men or young women to stand up and have faith. We need a faith person in every, every institution, in every group. In, in, in this church, we need a few great faith men and women who would just say, let's do it. And in doing that, I'm telling you, it will energize entire nations of people. Optimism and faith is contagious. I don't know why you're so quiet today. Was this, did you eat too much snow or something? I, faith is contagious. Faith actually breeds optimism. George Gallup did a survey, and he found that faith brings optimism. He also, in this survey, he discovered that when you have faith, it makes you more optimistic about life. He also discovered that the people who have the greatest faith are also the people who are the happiest. And they are also the people who help others the most. Isn't that interesting? Faith, just by faith. So we expect the best. Number two, we remove all hindrances and distractions. Remove them all. Hebrews 12, 1 said, let us run the race that is before us and never give up. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. Remove anything in your life that keeps you from running your race. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. God created you for a unique race and only you can run it. It is your life, your purpose, your goal. The problem is that other people sometimes want to run your race or, and they start putting expectations on you. 
No, you can only live the life that God has shown you and expected you to live. Paul is saying the key to finishing the race is to simplify your life. Get rid of the baggage. Remove the diversions, the distractions. Eliminate them, the time wasters that keep you from being the best. What is distracting you from your life purpose, your life mission? Find that out and then get rid of it. Many things will try to do that. Other people, uh, goals that are not God, the wrong kind of friends, good things that are not the best things. Too many of us do good things, but we're, we have to sacrifice that for the best things. Your past can be a hindrance. The past may be the biggest thing. Because when you walk around with guilt, resentment, shame, bitterness, offenses, it is like carrying two bags of garbage all through your life. Can I say something about unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment? It only affects you. The person you're upset with, they're not affected in the least. And you're not going to change them. Why do, you, why do you do that? Just get rid of it. I've learned something. I've learned that you don't carry offenses. Just brush them off. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And it will be a... a baggage of garbage it's a hindrance to your race Paul had a lot of regrets in his life think about it Paul was a religious terrorist he was a religious terrorist he was a, he was persecuting Christians killing Christians and this is what he said in Philippians chapter 3 now he had a lot more to regret than you do how many of you have been Christian, killing somebody this week I hope none of you have Philippians uh, 3.13 says, forgetting the past and looking forward. This is Paul. To what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race. He's forgetting everything of the past. He says, I'm going to focus on the finish line, not the hurts that have been done to me or I've done to others. Let go of the past with its hurts, its griefs, its troubles. Isaiah 43.18 says, don't dwell on the past. Number three, the third thing we need to do this year to get rid of this. We need to remember the rewards. Remember the words. You must have your eye on the finish line. I, I ran track in high school and college. And I did hurdles. I did uh, high jump, long jump, different things like that. And I can remember getting in the blocks for, for the uh, high hurdles. And listen, if you looked at the hurdles, you would never start the race. Because when I got in the blocks, those 36 or 40 inch hurdles, however tall they were, they looked like monsters ready to, to, to capture me. So I wouldn't look at them. What I'd do is I'd go over them and look at the finish line. That's the only way I could get over them because it was scary. I would get down the blocks and I had to train my mind not to think, you stupid person, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I was there to run a race and I wanted to look to the future into the finish line. If you're going to finish well in life, you have to remind yourself why and what you do. So when you feel like giving up, the only thing that will get you through is to say, my faith will be rewarded by God. I'm going to hit the finish line. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says this, to win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. But we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. So I run straight to the goal with a purpose in every step. And then we all get rewarded. God rewards us based on something called grace. 
Grace means that all the wrong things I've done, all the sins I've committed, he erases and forgives. Grace means that every good thing that I do by faith, God rewards. Every word, every thought, every action, every prayer that I prayed in faith will be rewarded by God. In other words, it's both the negative and the positive. He erases the bad stuff and he rewards the good. Now, we don't get to heaven by rewards, but in heaven we get rewards. You get, you get crowns. You get all kinds of rewards, the Bible says. And God made us. Now, think about this. God made you to look forward to rewards. You do. You reward yourself. Well, with maybe a cup of coffee. I got that done. Praise God. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. You reward yourself with vacations. You get rewarded for, with bonuses or other, other ways. We, we all want rewards, desire rewards, and rewards are good. There's nothing wrong with rewards. But you don't need external motivation or internal motivation for what I'm talking about. You need eternal motivation that will keep you going forever. That's the kind of motivation that Paul, running with purpose in his life, was meant to be. That kind of motivation helps you to focus not on your problem, but on God's purpose. We look at God's purpose. Hebrews 6, 12, don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. Focus on the promises of God Take a promise and stand on it. That's why I said, start standing on a promise every day. Just a simple promise. 365 times the word fear not is in the Bible. Fear not, for I am with you. If you can, if you can take that promise and stand on it, you're, you're, making a, you're making big progress. Number four, the fourth thing we've got to do this year is we want, if we want to uh, neutralize doubt and fear and, and magnify faith, we've got to resist all discouragement. This is good, Pastor Ken. Resist all discouragement. What does it mean? Galatians 6, 9. Let us not get tired of doing what is right, for after a while we reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. We've got to fight discouragement. Discouragement isn't just a feeling it actually can be a spirit. Uh, fear is a spirit. Many of you are probably discouraged today. You could be discouraged about health, about finances, marriage, your personal problems. Discouragement is a choice. You're discouraged because you're choosing to be discouraged. No one is holding a gun to your head and saying, be discouraged. Discouragement is always a choice like any other attitude. The Bible says to fight discouragement, resist it, and, and move against it. Discouragement is one of Satan's favorite tools in making you ineffective. His second tool is procrastination. Wow, there's a few people saying, oh, okay. If he can get to you in any of these ways, he has you locked up. But remember, the just shall live by faith. D.L. Moody says this, I have never known God to use a discouraged person. Why? Because discouragement is the opposite of faith. Now, I know it's easy to fall in discouragement. All the things going against us, everything happening. I mean, you can get, you can get discouraged. That's why we have to come, you know, continually be in the presence of God. Let him fill us with his faith. Don't look at it with human eyes. Look with eyes of faith. Galatians says, don't get tired of doing what's right. Why? Because it's easier to do what's wrong. It's easier to be undisciplined than disciplined. 
It's easier to be selfish than unselfish. It's, it's always more difficult to do the right thing. He says, don't get tired of doing what's right for after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Whatever we give to God, he always multiplies. He always multiplies. But our seed, now this is when, when you're giving yourself to God, you're planting seeds. Our seed does not return instantly. It takes some time, as you know. You get far more seeds back than what you planted. But there's always a delay. And that's where the enemy tries to discourage us. God doesn't love you. He's not going to help you. He's not going to make that happen. No, that's a lie. Now, you have to understand. Whenever those things come to your mind, please, this is how I learned how to effectively uh, just neutralize the enemy's lies to my mind. I, I renewed my mind by doing this. I actually began to say to myself, no, the Bible says in John, I think it's uh, John chapter eight, that he's the father of lies and everything he says is a lie. So anytime the devil would whisper in my ear a, lie, a, some, a word, I would believe the opposite. So when, when, I, when I first started preaching, every time I got done preaching, he would say, that's the stupidest message I've ever heard. That was really dumb. I said, man, that must have been the best message in the whole world. I started training myself. I trained myself to listen not to the devil, but to what God was, was saying in my heart. You need to do that. You need to train yourself. Be disciplined in that. Don't get tired of doing what's good. Keep on doing what is, what is right. Because it says after a while, after a while time period, one of the greatest tests of faith is how we handle delay. How we handle delay. When you do the right thing, even when nothing happens, what do you do? What do you do? Do you have a pity party? Do you complain? Do you start griping? You will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Can you say amen? amen. Anything worthwhile in life takes effort, energy, and endurance. I'm telling you, a lot of people don't really believe that. But it's true. If you want something worthwhile, it's going to take some energy, some effort. Do you know, do you know how many times I, I wanted to quit from being a pastor? The thought came in my head. You know, I could go do something else. I was actually, I was actually trained to be a teacher and a coach. It's kind of what I wanted to do. I said, man, it'd be a lot easier if I did that. These sheep don't listen at all sometimes. I remember, you just got to keep going. We used the word years ago. I was, uh, I, I preached a message downtown Boise and the whole women's basketball team was saved. So they were in church and I preached on the word hoopamony. The word hoopamony in the Greek is the word perseverance. You just don't give up. You just persevere and you'll get through. So I preached on it. And the next week they had a basketball game and so I went to, to watch the game. I was sitting behind the bench of the, of the girls as they were, uh, and they were in a huddle. They took time out. They were losing. They weren't doing very, very good. I thought, what's going on here? You know, because they were a good team. And so I heard them come. They came and they talked for a while. The coach talked to them. And then all of a sudden they got, you know how they do, they put their hands together and they go team or whatever. You know what they did? They said, hoopamoni, hoopamoni, hoopamoni. They had just talked about perseverance and what it meant. From that moment, everything turned around and they won the game. Now, I'm telling you, it works. 
Great people are just ordinary people with extraordinary amount of determination and perseverance. It's always too soon to quit. How does an acorn become an oak tree? An oak tree, an oak tree is just a little nut that refused to give its ground. Some of you caught that. God is doing the same thing with us. Now here, here's what I would say. I, I believe that we fill our lives with too much noise. What you, what you fill your mind with will actually direct your life. Psalms 94, 19 says, Lord, when doubts fill my mind, when my heart is in turmoil, quiet me and give me renewed hope and cheer. Quiet me, quiet me. Be still and know that I am God. When you have your discouragement in your life, I think you need to do something. Sit down and shut up or be quiet. Just be quiet. Most of us don't like quiet, it scares us. Our world is filled with noise. We're in, on the internet, we're on TV, we're all listening to music. We're, and many of that, much of that is, is good stuff, but it's not the best. Too much of our life is interactive. My tip, the less silence you have in your life, the more stress you're gonna have. The less silence you have in your life, the more stress you're gonna have. Five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day will do wonders. God can be your de-stressor. Focus in your quiet time on this. Remember God's goodness to you in the past. Remember God's presence with you in the present. And remember God's promise to you in the future. God's goodness, God's presence, and God's promise. The reason for discouragement is always because we're looking at the problem and not at God. Philippians 1.6 says, God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished. What God starts in your life, he finishes, and he's not through with you. Boy, that's a good word. And a lot of us, we, we start good things. You know, at the first of the year, we'll start things daily, and, but then we'll miss a few days. Or, we'll, you know, we'll start a Bible reading plan, then we miss a few days. Oh, forget it, I'm just gonna give up. You know, so we just, we just give up. Well, let's think about that logic for a minute. Here's the foolishness of that logic. Yesterday, I missed lunch. I'm a failure at consistent eating. I can't stand to be inconsistent, so I'm gonna give up eating. You don't do that. That's crazy, but we, we, we apply that logic in spiritual things. Now, what happens when you miss a meal? You probably just eat a little bit more next time. Amen, just, just read a little bit more. Just give a little bit more time to God. Be persistent and finish what you start. And then the last thing is this, before we close. Renew yourself daily. You must learn to recharge yourself every day. You know how to do it. You plug your cell phone in every night. You do it, it's charged when you get up in the morning. But we don't practice the same thing with ourselves. Hebrews 12, two says, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross. So how do we do this daily? Well, I think you need to tune into God every morning. Start your day with God in some way. This will make you more positive and more optimistic because Psalms 5.3 says, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Before, he talk, before you talk to anyone, you should talk to God. Can you say amen? amen? For those of you who are cranky, negative, 
probably looking at all of us, or cynical or whatever, let's spend more time with God. Start in the morning. Don't flip on bad morning America. Last night, a bunch of stuff, bad things went on, and they'll tell you all about it in the morning. And they'll start your day with good news. Start it with prayer, worship, the word. Worship God. Tune into God. Man, we all have our, our, our devices. Now we can turn and, and worship anytime we want. It's wonderful. And then think on God's promises throughout the day. Think on his promises. Psalm 119.11, a great scripture. I bank your promises in the vault of my heart. I bank your promises in the vault of my heart. Memorize them. Put them in where you can call upon them. Those 7,000 promises. Begin to avail yourself of those. Philippians 4.8, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. Let me say this. You cannot entertain yourself into feeling better. Oh, that was a good one. But that's what we try to do. We try to entertain ourselves so we'll feel better or watch our way into feeling better. I'll watch this program. Maybe it'll help me. It won't help you. You have to listen your way. Listen your way into God's promises. Listen to his voice, his word. Hebrews 10, 23, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. And then notice this too. Trust in God's love even when things look bad. Trust in his unconditional love and then the last thing, talk, learn to talk and pray with other believers. I don't think we, we spend too much time hanging around the wrong kind of people. Hang around faith people. David hung out with positive people. He had, he had emotional, spiritual support. Learn to find good faith people and hang out with them. Do it. Psalm 119.63. I'm a friend and companion of those committed to living by the rules of God. You need to associate and fellowship with people of positive faith. I'm telling you, hang out with VIP people, not VDP people. What's a VIP person? It's a very inspiring person. A VDP person is a very draining person. You don't want to be, I have people in my life like that. I don't like hanging out with them. I don't think any of you are them, but... Uh, I like very inspiring people. Hang, hang out with them. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the seat of the scornful. I close with this scripture. Is this okay? Are you okay? Okay, he, this is how, this is how we're gonna live. This could be the best year of our lives. If you start expecting the best instead of getting all discouraged and letting the the devil just speak to you. Turn off the devil and turn on God. Don't listen to his words. If his words come in, you do what I said. Just believe the opposite because the opposite is true. Hebrews 12:1. Do you see what this means? This is in the Message Bible. All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. Jesus could put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. 
When you find yourselves lagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that Jesus plowed through. That'll shoot adrenaline into your souls. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you have. To say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves, or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? God is educating you, and that is why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Let's pray over this. Let's pray over this word. This is a word that I, I just believe that if we put in proper practical application, it'll change our lives this year. You see, faith isn't just something ethereal. It's something that we actually activate. Faith without works is dead. So Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just lay out my hands before you, my heart before you, and I ask right now that you come down and you change, you change my perspective, you change my heart. I want my heart to be more like you. I want to be in your presence. I want to, I want to experience the goodness of God. I want to live by faith every day of my life. I pray this year you would change things in my, in my mind and in my heart, that I would, I would pursue the things of God. I would pursue those, those things that bring great, great uh, uh, faith, great holiness, and great, great expectation. We believe, Lord, this is going to be the best year of my life. According to my faith, so be it, Lord. Lord, I activate that faith, and I ask you right now, to do a work in my life and a work in every life in this room. Let us experience you like we've never experienced you before. Beginning right now. Lord, as we, as we spend the next three weeks of getting ready for this praise and worship weekend, I pray that you would activate our faith in such a powerful way that it would explode beyond imagination. That we would see things accomplished in our life that we've only dreamed of because we've activated our faith and stood on it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Lord, do it. Lord, do it. Come, Holy Spirit. Come right now. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Move in all of us in this room. On this snow day of 2024, let us not forget the deep faith that we have in you and what can happen when we put our trust, our hope, and our faith in you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.